0: Net worth by age. This is the one you look forward to every year because we're going to tell you where you are, where you should be, and how to maximize your money.
1: It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Dynamite. That was a good one. That was a really good. Except one. for the
0: me looking over at Reby to get approval after I did it. <laughs> um, Every, both of us Morpheus, always do that. Morpheus is going to be, when he's doing editing later, he's going to be like, why didn't he keep eye focus with the camera? <laughs> but it is what it is. That's, I'm a people pleaser, this, You
1: know, I, It's like you never have a favorite kid. So just like you don't have a favorite kid, we can't have a favorite show. But I will say that whenever we start talking about net worth, we start talking about – uh, where you are by each stage and age and decade, I get kind of excited because yeah. for us, I think it's one of the most fun things that we get to go through when we do it. And and this is the third year, so mm-hmm. tri-anniversary. I
0: mean, it is one of those things where, and, and every, you're probably saying, well, why wouldn't I just go watch your 2018 or the mm-hmm. 2019 um, net worth by age? Because this will be essentially the 2020 since yep. we are in the last month, and I know a lot of people will be you know, discovering this content in the coming year. Is that we have kind of once again in money guy fashion redone the process yep. because we realized this previous shows here it just and I I, I got to speed through this because uh-huh. we have a lot to cover. First year each segment was like by age was like eight minutes. Last year it was like twenty five <laughs> minutes. So we realized this thing had grown to too much. So you're actually going to see kind of two shows. This will be the net worth by age, which we are going to focus on the components of a net worth statement. I'm talking about assets, liabilities, um, the footnotes in the bottom line that go yep. into making a good net worth statement. Because remember, it is that time of year you should be doing a net worth 100%. statement. But then we're going to be doing another show that we will be recording later where we'll talk about the behaviors or the income be- things you should be doing by age as yep. well. So that way we're not trying to pack it all in and we will keep this to each segment trying to be... Eight to ten minutes is, is is the goal. So here's what's going to cover in each section. Um, first part is net. What part of the net worth statement you should focus on, both the good and the bad. These are what to focus on and what the actions to avoid.
1: Yeah. So depending on how old you are, and what stage of life, you know, is your should your focus be on the assets? Should it be on the liabilities? Are you a bottom line person? Are you a footnotes person? We're gonna walk you through why that's important and where you should focus depending on stage of life. And then army of dollar bills by age. This is where we're gonna show you the power of every dollar in
0: your army of dollar bills and how to make sure you're maximizing it so no soldier is left behind. And then the third thing, here's another thing that's unique about this third year that we're doing this. This is the first year when we do, how do you measure up with your peers that we have full-time equivalent Daniel on the case (laughs) to give us some illustrations to go with it.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm so excited because we've always done these spot checks, but I feel like every time we do a spot check, it gets a little bit better. And so now we're actually going to give you spot checks from the beginning of the decade to the end of the decade and walk you through how to know if you are on track, ahead of the curve, behind the curve, and how you stack up to your peers.
0: So let's hit this thing. Cause right now I'm seeing we're 50 seconds ahead of schedule. Oh, so let's rock oh, it. Oh, Rebe so, so excited. Let's hit the 20s. And this is this is going and this is maybe I don't want it to be controversial, but I felt like it did need to kind of hit you hard really quick. And we titled this start your addiction to save it.
1: Now, Brian, when you say that, my immediate thought is addiction is a bad thing, right? We have all sorts of shows and programs and support groups about addictions, and we're actually telling someone to start an addiction. This is not the first time we brought this up, and I do talk about it a good bit, is that you do not see any support
0: groups for people who are addicted to saving. And the reason is is because this, even though addictions are bad, and I'm not telling you to be a miser. I'm not telling you to be generous. I'm not telling you to not spend your money. I'm just saying you've got to develop the behavior that's going to make you an empire builder, and that is building up an addiction
1: to saving. And what we think is that there's something that's so unique about your 20s. You should actually, if you're someone that's in your 20s, not that decade, you should be excited because you have a resource that older peers just do not have any longer and i might say it is actually the single most valuable resource that you presently have it's time that's exactly right it would, is time if, if, if
0: i was musical i would, time you know what's that old maybe that's a 70s song so i'm too, i'm i'm aging you out somebody in the audience is going to know the the song i'm talking I don't know about that one. we'll keep going but it is time because it's definitely more opportunity in the market and letting your money work for you is going to be the driving force. Mm-hmm. And we have some illustrations to show you that. But Bo, let's give them kind of a profile of what does
1: the average person in their 20s look like? So what we looked at is we went and pulled from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the Federal Reserve, as well as Fidelity to give you kind of a snapshot of the average person in their 20s. And this is what we found. If you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average income for someone in their 20s is $31,960. Okay. The average saving rate for someone in their 20s is about 7.2%. So I
0: save today when I can save when I'm in my 60s. You'll see what I mean by that.
1: Uh, The median net worth, so if you look at just the, it's not the average, but sort of the middle ground net worth for someone in their 20s is uh, right under $7,500. But those in your 20s, (laughs) on average, have total debt. Of $33,393. Oh, we
0: don't put this slot up for this to be your aspirational goal. Because we all know the average American is horrible with money. So this is just to kind of set the table, let you know what people are doing. And now let's tell you how to kind of flip the script and actually conquer this and do this right. Love it. So here's where I want to talk about what part of the net worth statement to focus on. This is, I want to go with the negatives. When I do pros and cons, I like to do the cons first. Yeah, because you always want to end on a high yeah, note, right? I like good news to be what you, you close things out. So we're going to focus on the liabilities of a net worth yep. statement. And in your 20s, it's all about who you owe. Now, here's the thing. I talked about this in show notes, so you have to fill in the gaps if I screw sure. this up. One of the first things I noticed when I was in college, and 20s is college people too, mm-hmm. so it's the same mentality, As a lot of people have childhood where they felt like they're Freedom was restricted. Uh So as soon as they got to college, they went hog wild. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I can think about several people I went to college with that were great high school students, got to college, and no more could make that seven fifty in the morning, or you know, just every night they're out in the bars, the clubs, doing whatever. It's kind of that way financially for a lot of 20-year-olds, is that you've never had money. You've never had options. So as soon as somebody says to you, hey, sign up, not only will we give you a bag of potato chips, we'll give you this shiny credit card that will allow you to go spend to your heart's content. Don't worry about how you're going to pay for it. Just spend. There's another person or another group that you can approach where they'll say, not only can you get money to pay for college, you could even roll it. We'll give you enough money if you want to pay for eating out. Mm-hmm. If you want to pay, you know, it doesn't matter. Student loan debt, we'll let you load it up. Load up. All you have to do is sign this sheet of paper. Don't worry how you're going to pay it back. Just enjoy the day. Yep. This is, and then cars. I can still think about Friends that had paid for cars that they had worked and paid for in high school. They graduate, and they go buy that shiny Camaro or a Trans Am, and then they can't even pay the insurance anymore because it's so expensive. So all these things, it's your 20s is don't fall into the trap of this newfound freedom. Go hog wild, and then you're going to wake up and look on your shoulder, and you're like, whoa. There's a zombie debt on my shoulder that's consuming all of my life. So let's kind of hit each one of these. Yeah. Both. So
1: you said three that I think are just so huge that we'll hit really quickly. You said uh, student loans, credit card debt, not auto loans. And, and the fact is, when you're in 20s, that's kind of the thing that you have mm-hmm. access to. So we think if you are someone who's going to take on student loans in your 20s, there are really two things you want to think about. One, pick your major well. Even yep. if you're thinking about doing grad school or that sort of thing, Uh, So I know a lot of my friends, they defaulted to continuing to do more education because they they couldn't go get a job. So they just said, oh, I'll just rack up more student loan debt. You really need to understand the long-term implications of that. So one, pick your major well, and then two, understand how much debt you should actually have. And our really easy rule of thumb is you don't want to have more in student loan debt than your first-year salary when you start working. If your first year of salary is going to be $30,000, $40,000, you probably don't need to go rack up $150,000 of student loan debt to get that degree.
0: Exactly right. Now, let's talk to credit card debt. Credit card debt, I want you to know, should be a four-letter word. Just because you get the bag of potato chips or the free T-shirt to get that credit card in college, which I'm not against you getting your credit card in college, but the same rules apply for a 20-year-old that apply for a 30-, 40-, or 50-year-old you pay that credit card off monthly. That's Do exactly right. not build up a balance. It is a sucker's bet. Con- you know, If you think about compounding interest, it can either be your friend or it can be a foe. When you maximize the credit cards, you're actually turning your most powerful asset, which is compounding interest, into your enemy. So don't do it. Credit cards are very dangerous. And
1: then the third is, you've already hit this, auto loans. So we think it should be really, really easy. If you're going to go buy a car, you want to follow the 23-8 rule. You put 20% down, don't finance it for any more than three years, and you don't want your car payment to be more than 8% of your total monthly income. So if you can stay inside that level, you're in a good place. And one thing that I always encourage my young 20s who graduate from college and they want to go reward themselves with a nice car is, now might not be the time to do that. Deferred gratification is a beautiful thing, and it'll save you from getting in a lot of trouble early on.
0: And don't let that ego blind you into buying the trophy car, the mm-hmm. luxury brand. Yeah. Stay away from the luxury brands while you're in your 20s, guys. There will be plenty of time to flex in the future, but you got to get that foundation right. So let's focus on the basic brands. So let's pivot from liabilities mm-hmm. Focus get away from what you should own. Let's talk about the good behaviors. This is the assets. This is the things where you're building wealth. So the first thing is you got to create that savings habit. That's what we led. That's the title slide. There's a reason because this is your hairy, audacious, huge goal that you're focusing on is that you want to, by the end of the decade, you want to be at 20 to 25% of your gross income going into savings. Now a lot of you are like, whoa. That's too much. Uh, I get it. When you're 22, 23 years old starting that first job, you're probably not going to be able to do 20, 25%. But that does not mean that you
1: can't start somewhere and then start building up that savings habit. Yeah, and we'll show this to you in a second, but I hear you say this all the time. Whenever you talk to someone in their 20s early on, you say, you just don't realize how a little can go a long way. So start somewhere. Even if it's $20, $40, $50 a month, start doing something and you will not regret it. And with all the folks we work with on the financial planning side, no one has ever said to us, man, I wish I wouldn't have started saving so early.
0: And I get it. You're broke. We were all broke in our 20s. That is still not an excuse to not save $50 a month, $100 a month. Start somewhere, make it happen, Your older self will thank you and want to give you a huge bear hug to thank you in the future. So pay attention to that. So let's talk about the order of operations kind of this. A big part of our fundamental teachings is order of operations. What are the things 20-year-olds should focus on, Bo, with each dollar that they build up?
1: yeah. very first step is you want to have some emergency money. And we think this is a few thousand dollars. It's enough to really cover your auto deductible, your health Mm -hmm. insurance deductible. Is your, uh uh-oh, something bad happened. Once you get past having that few thousand dollars in emergency fund, then you want to look at your employer match. That is 100% free money. So make sure you're not walking away from that free money. And then once you've got that employer match, again, one of the most valuable resources on in your corner is your time. A Roth IRA, assuming you can contribute, is huge because Roth IRAs grow Tax free
0: forever. Boom, tax free. So, by the way, a lot of you are probably you're going to be overachievers. You're going to make it past these initial ones. Mm-hmm. Go look up our order of operations show. I even think we plan on putting a link to the show, mm-hmm. and it, you know, right below it on YouTube. So go go check that out. But let's pivot to army of dollar yep. bills making every dollar work for you, so you don't have to work so hard with your back, your hands, your back, and your brain. What do we do here? Because we have a concept called. 88 times over, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, this is something that you came up with, Brian, and you said, look, every dollar that you save in your 20s for a 20-year-old can turn into $88 mm. by the time you get to 65. It gets me excited.
0: makes the hair stand up on my arm it's, just thinking about it. It's
1: unbelievable, and the reason is it's not because you're rich, not because you're super smart, not because of anything other than you have time on your side. So the 88 times over concept is, is every dollar you can put to work for you can turn into an incredible soldier in your army of dollar bills long term.
0: So I use for older people. I always talk about measure twice, cut once when they're making big life decisions. When you're younger, this is where we hear about the the whole coffee effect and other yep. things. Every dollar you choose to spend could be an army, a dollar in your army of dollar bills. It could be doing something else. So choose wisely because. There's a lot of juice in every dollar that you That's have exactly in your right. 20s. But let's go ahead and give them the illustration that shows them how powerful are
1: each dollar of their do- uh, of their army. So the way that we laid this out is we said, okay, if we want to have a million dollars by the time that we reach 65, if we're a 20-year-old, how much do we have to save on a monthly basis to get there? And the answer is $95 a month. Well, if you save $95 a month starting at the time you're 20 all the way until the time you get to 65, you will have put in $51,300. That's your incredible. Your account value is worth a million dollars. That almost seems fake. It doesn't seem real. It, does. it doesn't it, even seem Because you think about it, 95% of your
0: opportunity is compounding interest where your money is working for you, your army of dollar bills. You guys, go grab, if you don't believe us, go gra- grab your financial calculator. This will blow your mind. This is what changed my life. It can change your life. Use the juice of your time and ability to let your money work for you. This is so, so powerful. Bo, a lot of people now are getting energized. They're thinking about it, but they need to know where they stand because not everybody's going to be 20 years old when they watch this. There's going to be some 25-year-olds. There's going to be some 27-year-olds. Let's talk about a wealth spot check and where the people should be.
1: One of the things that that I've heard you say over is when you think about your first decade of, of getting to work, it's really supposed to be the foundation to getting started, to getting ready for liftoff, right? Yeah,
0: this is total. You're a plane, a super jet. Think about the fastest jet ever made. You're sitting on the runway, and... But without getting that plane, even though you have all the opportunity in the world, unless you get the th- the plane moving, it's just never coming. You have to have lift from somewhere.
1: So this is going to be the part that gets you motivated and gets you going. So let's talk about the entire decade of your 20s. Here's your wealth spot check. If you want to know the median net worth for a 20-year-old and a 29-year-old, the numbers are $3,800 for a 20-year-old and then $14,300 for a 29-year-old. Now that's the median average American. You guys listening to this show are are not average. You are above average. So if you want to follow our formula, we think that you should use the Money Guy Wealth Index. And you take your age times your income divided by 10 plus the number of years you have until you turn 40. So if you're a 20-year-old, it would be 10 plus 20, or you would divide by 30. So for a 20-year-old, if you want to be an average accumulator of wealth— your net worth should be about $17,000. By the time you get to 29 and are leaving this decade, your uh, net worth should be about $54,000. But if you want to take it even a step further and be a prodigious accumulator of wealth, which is what we always encourage you to be, you want to double those numbers. So in your 20s, you want to have a net worth somewhere between $34,000. And at the end of your 20s, you want to be right in that six-figure range at about $109,000 of net worth.
0: I can already hear the trolls lining up to come out from underneath their bridges. They're looking at that 20-year-old number because we do. We have it broken down between 20-year-olds, 29-year-olds. Look, this is statistical data, guys. We just took average salaries – Use the formula. I get it. When you're 20, Brian Preston, Bohansen did not have this amount of money right. at age 20. So I would not. Don't be a naysayer and use the data points we provided for 20 because we just had to put something. Because you go see, we did this on the 30s, 40s, yep. 50s. Really, what you ought to focus on the big numbers is when you cross into becoming a 30 year old. You want to have, if you're an average accumulator of wealth, you want to have $54,000 when you're 29 years of age. For a prodigious accumulator, that's really where you want to be. It's $109,000. Right. Pay attention to those because remember, your aspirational goal is to get to 20 to 25% savings savings. By the end of the decade of being a 20-year-old, that is the biggest thing. Get the money in the market. Get the army of dollar bills working for
1: you. Now, if you're someone who has a higher income than the average income, you need to do the formula to figure out what your numbers are. Again, this is just based off of average income, so you need to customize it for yourself.
0: So let's talk about 30-year-olds. okay, Bo, I mean, I know we titled this Breakthrough. Yeah. There's yep. so many visuals that come to mind, <laughs> but this is also the messy 30s. Uh, yeah. Because you know, you're in this period right now. Y-
1: this is, uh, you and I have so We this is the messy middle. I feel like, yeah. I don't want to say it's the hardest decade because every decade is hard, but there's just a lot going on in your 30s between social engagements and financial engagements and family, and you have all kinds of stuff pulling on you. It's hard to just stop and breathe in your thirties. I feel. Well,
0: like. and that chaos is caused by you got a lot of stuff going on in your career. You got kids. You probably well, you, let's let's put this in the right. You got a career. You got married. You mm-hmm. got kids. I mean, you, and you're probably adding on some big debts, some big life decisions. Yep. You buy the farm essentially. You buy a house. So there's a lot of things that make that messy thirty year old range. So I want you to know, and because I, I, we've gotten some great feedback everybody feels like they're in chaos in their 30s. Don't panic just because you you feel that way. But here's the other part I want you to know. When you're in your 30s, you're starting to wake up and realize... I kind of know how the world works Mm -hmm. a little bit better. In my 20s, I was kind of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and I was just now starting to figure out what to do with this freedom and and starting the career path. But now that you're in your 30s, you're kind of a little wiser. You're a little street smart. So let's make sure we maximize this because what I love is not only do you have a little more knowledge, you still have enough time. That's right. Time is still on your side that you can get easy growth. Let your money do the heavy
1: lifting for you. Just make the right decisions. So let's look at the profile of what the average 30 year old looks like right now. So On average, a person in their 30s right now in this country makes about $45,000. Their savings rate is 7.75%. We have some issue with that. We'll talk about that in a second. The uh, median net worth for someone in their 30s is $35,181. But in their 30s, through their 20s and into their 30s, they've now accumulated $66,000 of total debt. So
0: debt essentially doubled. Because for the 20s, it was $33,000. Now it's $66,000. Don't see a lot of change in that savings. Rate so that's people right. are still enjoying life. They're not really worried not about not recognizing future. how powerful you're going to notice a trend here as you get older. It's kind of Americans are procrastinators. Is what, <laughs> that's, I, that's exactly I, right. what I'm realizing. But let's talk about what area should you focus? What part of net worth statement should you focus? And this is going to be a surprising answer. Instead of talking about assets liabilities like I did in the 20s, I'm going to tell you you should focus in your 30s on the footnotes.
1: Well, wait. Uh, so Brian, I know that the the, the formula for net worth is assets minus liabilities equals net worth. Footnotes wasn't in that equation anywhere.
0: So that's why we need to talk about it cuz there are some big life concepts that need to be conquered in your 30s. The first one, think about risk management yep. cuz there's I told you about all these things. You got the you got the career, you've got now a, probably a marriage, you've got a family that you're considering starting, you've also got these new things that you're taking mortgages out, some assets you've purchased. All these things have added complexity to your life that you need to protect yourself and your loved ones. That if you fell off the planet tomorrow, it's not going to create even more chaos than what's going on in the messy middle that you're in.
1: Yeah, we get the question all the time, specifically as it relates to net worth. Hey, so I have this life insurance policy. Where does that go? Or how do I put this... The footnotes is where that goes. If you have things that don't fall into the asset category, they don't fall into the liability category, you want to have a separate page on your net worth statement called footnotes. And that is where you'd have all of your life insurance listed, all of your disability insurance listed. Uh, Another big thing we talk about in your 30s, that's where you want to have the wills and the estate documents in place.
0: If you have children, you've got to have a will, guys. That's one of the first questions we ask when you call us. Because we want to make sure if you think it's hard to have that discussion with your significant (sighs) other on who's going to raise junior, uh, you know, or your, daughter, it's going to be even harder when you can't speak for yourself. So make sure you have the will. Also, the healthcare directives are Mm -hmm. super powerful. If you can't speak for yourself, these are going to be the documents that get you out of the ditch. So pay attention to that stuff. So let's focus after the footnotes and the risk management, the wills, let's talk about liabilities. Because this is still, there's a lot of distractions on things that debt can be a tool. I'm not saying it's all good debt. I'm saying that debt can actually be the thing that really sidelines you because you'll feel like you're working to the master. I mean, there are so many fire people, and we've done episodes on that, that talk about jobs or just because you're a slave. I think they feel that way because of what liabilities and lifestyle choices they've made. So talk them. what are we talking about yeah, when we talk about liabilities yeah, in your 30s? And,
1: and we're not making this up, guys. I don't know if you saw this, but you already alluded to this. The debt doubled from the 20s to the 30s. So this is something that's actually happening for the average American. So we think if you can follow some nice rules of thumb, it will keep you between the lines. On your mortgage, you want to make sure that your housing service, what you're paying on your mortgage uh, and what you're paying on your housing cost does not exceed 25% of your income. If you can stay below that threshold, you are in a healthy place. And then for a car, we've already said this, we say it all the time, you want to be at 23.8, 20% down. Don't finance for more than three years, 8% of your total monthly income.
0: And here's the thing. Oh, and I saw that debt was now at $66,000. Mm-hmm. I know that the average car debt is about $37,000 in the United States and and as Daniel shared with me, I think like 4 to 5,000 of that is actually negative equity that, that gets rolling, rolled in. Yeah. So you guys, you can see that maybe people don't have mortgages, everybody doesn't, but a lot of people are definitely doing car loans. Be smart with this stuff, guys. So be careful with the liabilities. And
1: tell me if you agree with this. I feel like in your 20s, it's really easy to accumulate your base layer of debt. Yeah. I feel like in your 30s, it's really easy to accumulate the big debts, yeah. the big debts that are going to take you decades to get paid off.
0: So pay attention to that lifestyle creep. That's what Bo's alluding to. Let's talk about assets. This ties in, once again, order of operations-wise. We think at this point, cash reserves, instead of just saying you ought to have a few thousand up to deductibles like you do for 20-year-olds, we think you ought to be at a comfortable three to six exactly months right. of cash reserves in your 30s. Investments. Look, I was soft on the 20-year-olds because I realized when you're in your 20s, You are broke as a joke. So it's okay that you, it's aspirational to get to 20 to 25% of your income as a savings rate. By the time you're in your 30s, guys, you need some tough love. You need to be saving 20 to 25%. This is the last stop on the train of compounding interest where it is super easy money. So make sure you're maximizing because this thing is pulling out of the station. You need to take advantage of it. And then investments. Though so I've, I've hit those. Talk to them, Bo, about what we do with how you do the investment part. Yeah,
1: yeah, so one thing we think is interesting, and we just see this out there amongst our Money Guy family, in your 30s, if you've really been diligent through your 20s and you've been diligent in your 30s, you might be hitting that threshold or maybe your assets are getting into the six-figure 200, 300, 400, $500,000 range. Once you get there, you may need to graduate the way you're investing. Up to that point, we love target retirement funds and using sort of automated solutions. But as your portfolio grows, there are things you can take advantage of like asset allocation, spreading your assets across different investments, tax diversification, asset location, so that not only are you building up your pre tax, but you're also building up your tax free and your after tax assets. And then you can do things like annual loss harvesting, capital gain avoidance. As your portfolio matures, as you mature, so too should your strategy mature.
0: Great points, Bo. So let's—I want to talk about now that you have those understandings. How does the army of dollar bills? So, you know, I, I talked about for twenty-year-olds, it's the eighty-eight times over concept, where one dollar can turn to eighty-eight. How does this work for a 30-year-old? Because they've lost a
1: difference of a decade now. Where what has changed? So now, again, same exact illustration. We said that you need to save $95 a month if you start saving at 20. If you wait till 30, then you actually need to start saving $270 a month to get to a million by the time you get to Whoa, 65. Wait a minute. That almost tripled. It almost tripled. that's how powerful that <laughs> early decade is.
0: So you can imagine, look, we're not going to show you the number for 40, 50, and 60 yet. You'll have to go tune to those segments. But it is one of those things, if it tripled from 20 to 30, what do you think is going to happen in your 40s and 50s? Guys, do not blow this opportunity. Start saving,
1: start investing as soon as you possibly can. It's time in the market that is so valuable. So if you save $270 a month starting at 30, and you save that all the way until the time you turn 65, you will have put in $113,400. But remember, your account is worth a million dollars now. That means that $887,000 of your million is all your army of dollar bills working for you.
0: Now, that that makes me feel better because looking at that and knowing, now look, 20-year-olds, they have it easy. 95% of their growth is going to come from the market working for them. That's compounding growth. But I'm not feeling sorry for 30-year-olds either because 89% of your growth is not your actual behavior of saving. It's actually your money working for you. So this shows the power, guys. Take advantage. I know I sound like a broken record, but it is one of those things I think... Repetition is hopefully going to lead to action Absolutely. and create the habit of you actually building some wealth in that army of dollar bills. It is so, so powerful. Love it. So let's pivot now to the wealth spot check. Yep. Where should people be in their 30s?
1: So again, we're going to lay this out the exact same way that we did for the 20s. So if you look at the average American from age 30 to 39, the median net worth right now for someone at 30 years old is about $18,000. But by the time they leave this decade, their, me- their net worth is about $55,000. That's
0: average though. realize this is not as special. This is just what the typical American exactly do. Right. This is
1: not where you want to be. You want to be doing much better than this. So if you are someone in your 30s, we think you should calculate where your net worth should be. And the formula we've already said is you want to take your age times your income divided by 10 plus the number of years that you have until you turn 40. So if you're a 30-year-old, it would be 10 plus 10. You divide by 20. So if you want to be an average accumulator of wealth and you have the average income in this country – At age 30, you'd have a net worth of about $62,000, and by the end of the decade, your net worth should be around $175,000. But if you want to be a prodigious accumulator of wealth, which is what we think you should all strive to be, your range in your 30s should be somewhere around $124,000 to about $350,000 at the end of the decade.
0: I think these numbers are much more reasonable I than the 20-year-olds because, like I said, you have enough time in the workforce that you can actually start making the money work for you. I do think just because there's another spot check that we can talk about is Fidelity publishes some research on how much people are saving. They have in their studies that by the time you're 30 years of age, you should have one time your salary.
1: Yeah, that seems, that seems, that doesn't, for an that's average, that's
0: more like an average accumulator yeah, that's of right. I don't think that's what I would consider aspirational. I want people, really, the biggest thing here's the tough love once again. By the time you're in your 30s, you need to be saving 20 to 25% of your income. Focus on what you make and how much you can keep. And that's really what's going to lead you to success that's in the exactly long right. term. So let's talk about 40 year olds. Now, I resemble this. <laughs> for a few more years. I mean you're still there.
1: You're still it still counts as mid. You just had a birthday, not too long ago. You just had a birthday, ago. but you're still in your mid 40s. I'm
0: solid in the middle <laughs> to head to late right now. I mean, we we're getting close. So this really is a time and this is why I feel like it's nice when you live through something and you kind of can give more perspective because that's where wisdom comes. Yep. Experience creates wisdom. Um so this is the point where really you are figuring out is this a celebration or is this oh my goodness, how has it gone so wrong moment. It really is that type of fork in the road yep. moment. Um, so that's why I I really picked on my 20-year-olds. I picked on my 30-year-olds. I'm trying to bully you almost. I know it's a negative connotation, but I am trying to will you into actions so that you can have success in your 40s. Because this was the, the period of time where I felt like I had to turn in my tight wide card, but it toilet. was but it was a
1: good thing. It's because it, I was, you, it was you a got celebration. the privilege
0: of turning in. It's your exactly card. right, and that's what. And I've told this before, and I'll share it. I told my wife in the twenties. I told her in the thirties. We're going to sacrifice certain things so that in our forties we can evaluate and maybe take our foot off the gas. And, and I've honored that, and I would encourage you to also have those type of discussions with your significant other, too. So let's see what the profile of the average 40-year-old so looks again, like. So again,
1: average American, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the Federal Reserve, and Fidelity, average income for someone in their 40s is just under about $51,000 a year. Now, in the 40s, they have wisened up, because their yep. savings rate is now, it's not in the sevens anymore, it's now 8.38%. Yep. We still have issue with that, but at least it's improving, it's <laughs> (laughs) Almost like that procrastination (laughs) thing you said is happening. The median net worth for someone in their 40s is just shy of six figures. It's $94,800. But the total debt for folks in their 40s has now grown to about $92,000 on average. Wow. So I at least like seeing
0: those numbers on the net worth getting close Mm -hmm. to six figures. Still not enough, guys. It's just not enough. And so let's talk about what you should focus on. What you should focus on in the previously, I talked about the components of a net worth statement. You know, I had people I was worried about your debt with liabilities, I was worried about assets, but actually, in your 40s, I think you have to focus on the bottom line. This is the culmination of where you're putting together the vision plan to know if you are on track to where you need to be in life. So, this is where you need to focus on how am I doing? What's mm-hmm. my actual, What am I working to? What's the actual yep. plan? What is the number that sits on top of me uh, that sells what my financial independence figure is?
1: Now, I- I'm not really giving my folks in the 20s and 30s a pass, but in the 40s, you get no pass. If you're not tracking your annual net worth statement, no if you're not doing the exercise, you are missing the stinking boat. Yeah, because you. this is the age. If you're not spot checking, yep. because I'm, t- I'm telling you, you will, the decisions you
0: made in your 20s, your 30s are, are very important, but the 40s if, is when you can evaluate if you're going to hug yourself or if you're going to panic mm-hmm. and you need to say, this is the time. I still got 20 years before I retire. Let's get off the
1: can and actually start making things happen. Let's kick ourselves into shape. And you always say this is the part where you get to define the role in the movie of your life. Are you going to be an active participant or are you just going to sit back and let life happen to you, right? Yeah, because
0: it is. It's one of those things. Is this going to be A a comedy because maybe we all made mistakes in our 20s and 30s. Is this going to be an adventure because you're building up so you can travel and you've gotten, you've taken some risk maybe with starting a business? Or is this going to be a straight up nightmare because you just ignored all the big decisions you should have made and now this is your wake up and reality check?
1: When you're in your 40s, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you are more mature than your 30 and 20 year old counterpart. So now as you make big life decisions, you can now start thinking about them in the context of how does this impact my long term net worth statement. Is this thing that I'm doing, yep. will it be a net plus long-term or is it going to be a big net negative long-term? And, and
0: that's what I would tell you. This is because you will probably are making a decent living in your 40s if you've made good career decisions. Just because you can doesn't mean you that's should. Exactly so right. I want you to think about things because this is... Just because the banker or the mortgage company will tell you you can afford the second home, you can afford the boat, which is a bankruptcy on a trailer, You know, there's all <laughs> kinds of things like that that will be distractions that will be a potential for you. Make sure you're not letting these things blow you up. And then there's life decisions, too. Divorce, if you want to see your, 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 your net worth go to half. That's right. Divorce, big decisions like that. So I know that this is the age of midlife crises mm-hmm. in the 40s just make sure you're really thinking about all components and is the grass as green as it looks when you're, you're making those type of life decisions.
1: Now You've already mentioned, Brian, uh, in your 20s and 30s, it's kind of the easy money train. Once you get to your 40s, it's still good money. I would argue that it's not necessarily easy money anymore. So let's look at the army of dollar bills. What you can see that is, if you've waited until your 40s to get started, to begin accumulating your million-dollar goal, you have to save $780 a month starting at the time you turn 40. So if you do that... From forty all the way until sixty-five, you will have now put in the pot two hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars, almost a quarter of a million dollars. But you still got to a million. Yeah. seven hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars of that is your army of dollar bills working for you. Well, what I think is interesting, and I know we can't spend a ton of time on
0: it, but back when I was when I first heard that hundred dollars a month will make you a millionaire. I worked in fast food. I worked at a drive-through right. at, at Hardee's down in Georgia, and I even then knew I could save hundred dollars a month. When I think about this from a saving standpoint, if you're going from zero to get to a million, these numbers are starting still even at thirty two seventy seems somewhat S- reasonable. S- but I will tell you guys, forty is probably the last stop on reasonable if you're starting from zero because yes, a thousand dollars a month because it's actually seven eighty mm-hmm. is is. Doable, but this is the last stop. You better make sure you're getting on the savings train, putting it to work, because use that 20 to 25 years of compounding interest before you reach retirement. This is it, guys.
1: Make the decision. So let's give them a spot check, Bo, so we can kick them in the rear or either let them celebrate. So, again, as an average American, uh, between 40 to 49, the net worth, the median net worth is somewhere starting around 65,000, going all the way up to about 118,000. However, if you want to be an average accumulator of wealth, and this is where we get to the formula. You take your age, this is the millionaire, millionaire next door. Income, formula. The million next door age times income divided by ten to be an average accumulator of wealth, your net worth in your 40s should be somewhere around two hundred and two thousand dollars when you start, going to about 250000 by the time you leave this decade. But we think you ought to be a prodigious accumulator of wealth, and that would be a net worth somewhere around 400000 at the beginning of your 40s, crossing over the half-a-million-dollar mark at the end of your 40s if you're an average income earner. So,
0: guys, don't neglect the formula. Bo, Bo just told you that because a lot of you guys are going to look at this. You're going to say, well, I've got more than $400,000, or I've got more than $500,000, but that does not give you how does that re- reflect your actual income, your actual life? So make sure you're not only looking at the numbers we're providing, but also using your actual formula because yep. it's so important. It is your age times your income divided by 10. That yep. is the net worth formula for a millionaire next door of what they expect. But this is the, what I love about the 40s. As Bo said, this is the first decade that does not require you to take an adjustment uh-huh. like we had to do for 20s and 30-year-olds. So focus on that. so important. Let's pivot to the 50-year-olds. This is where I'm quickly headed to. We work with quite a number of clients in this age, so we know a little bit about 50-year-olds. And this is the part where you're kind of finishing the puzzle. That's right. You know what it takes to be successful. You've hopefully at this point experienced some successes, but you've got to now figure out how do all these different parts of your life that you've been building work together. What's amazing to me is when I was in my 20s, Bo, I used to daydream as a young CPA as I was preparing tax returns, I used to daydream about the days that I would have K-1s, that I would have all these things on my tax returns. When you get to be in your 50s, you're going to daydream about the day that you get a simplified life because you do look at your life, and it looks like a big jigsaw puzzle. And you're like, how did I get here with all this complexity? So let's talk about how we're going to get it all put into order. It's so
1: funny you say that. I remember in my 20s when it used, to, I could do my entire tax return in like 20 minutes. Yeah. Now I date man. I wish I could do my entire tax return in 20 minutes there these is days. There's no way. It is like herding
0: cats. <laughs> I mean, it really is trying to track down all the sources.
1: So okay, so let's talk about what the average person in their fifties looks like. And I just for full time equivalent, Daniel, for all of those out there in YouTube, it looks like uh, the average person in their fifties has a Fu Manchu mustache. So uh, that's wonderful. I uh, Did not know that. That's something I learned on this show. Thanks, Dan. Uh, the average is that why you start growing one? Up? I did have one. I feel like I'm. I sort of miss it. You, you wanted to be like I a 50 wanted year to be old. like. If I'm trying to oh, age myself. Okay. Uh, average income for someone in their fifties is just over fifty one thousand dollars a year. Their savings rate has now almost gotten to double digits. They are now saving almost nine, there. 9.2%. That's because they're
0: getting scared. That's By the right. time you're 50, you're like, ooh, you're scared.
1: <laughs> you're like, uh-oh. Uh, that median net worth is about $154,000 almost. And now, finally, finally in the cycle of life, <laughs> the debt has started to decrease. Now we only have $80,000 of total debt on average in our
0: 50s. What I think about, you know, because we, and I didn't, I didn't say, I probably could have focused on this in 20s and 30s and 40s. This is, I will tell you, once you're post 45, I think the focus on paying down debt is actually a good thing. So I'm glad to see that the numbers support that. You want to focus those young years on compounding growth. It's okay to pay down debt in your 50s. So let's focus on, but let's focus on the assets, because that's the other part. You yeah. also need to be taking inventory. If you think about what parts of the net worth statement to focus on, on by age In your 50s, you're definitely looking at assets. And what we mean by that, Bo? We're talking about asset location, asset allocation. That's
1: right. You want to make sure you have the risk right because your risk in your 50s likely should be different than it was in your 20s. But also, if you're now thinking about retirement, maybe at 55, maybe at 59, maybe at 65, how your assets are structured matters. Do I have enough money in pre-tax? Do I have enough money in after-tax to bridge the gap? What did my Roth look like? This is where you really need to start thinking, are there advanced planning strategies this should be coming onto my radar, uh, looking at uh, deferred compensation plans, Roth conversion strategies, age 55 401k rules. The 50s is when I would argue a lot of like the nitty gritty retirement planning really starts to happen. Well,
0: and you picked on me because I am getting to be I'm in my mid to late 40s at this point. And every time you and I are in some social setting and we tell my age, like he's one year closer. Happy birthday (laughs) to catch-up contributions. So this is the time when you do get the opportunity with IRAs to get an extra $1,000. If you're in a retirement account, like a 401k or a 403b, you can add $6,000. There's a reason uncle, our favorite taxing uncle, is giving you these catch-ups. They know that a lot of you are like waking up at 50 and looking around and going, Oh my God! I got to retire in a few, in a decade or so. So the government gives you a little sweetener there to let you save and be a part of that process. Let's also talk about it's not only the assets; it's also the footnotes, and these are the these are the things, the components that you need to consider in your fifties as you're putting those pieces of the puzzle together.
1: What do let's talk about these, both? Yeah, this is one I think, and this is probably one of the biggest questions we get. I think as it relates to net worth statements. Okay, how do I factor in? Social security, how do I factor in pensions? And there's a lot of thoughts on how to do that. You know, In the past, some folks included on assets. We've really thought about what's a really good way to do this. And in our opinion, your social security, your pensions, your other streams of income should actually come off of your net worth statement, and they should appear on your footnotes. Because it's going to have a very real impact on your financial plan, but it may not have a very real impact today on your net worth statement. I, there's been
0: a lot of questions on this. I do consider them footnotes because they're asterisks because they're promises of income streams in the future. They're not assets. There is one little caveat. If you have a pension that gives you a lump lump sum opportunity up until the point that it is annuitized... I do think that there is an asset that you can include, Agreed. but don't social security, not an asset because uncle could change the rules right. at any point in time. If you've already turned yours or, or you have a pension that you're getting a monthly distribution until you die, doesn't go on the net worth statement anymore. So make sure you guys understand that. And then this is the last stop on looking at all the risk at DREL. Risk is a big component because you're not only trying to grow assets, you're trying to avoid obstacles that throw you in the ditch. And this is probably the age where you're still healthy in your 50s. You're healthy. You can look at long-term care, Mm -hmm. even though that market has changed tremendously. Tremendously. So it's not even as easy as it was 10 to 15 years ago because I think insurers
1: had no idea what they were signing up for when they set that stuff up. And I think another thing that you can do in your 50s, and we talk about this all the time, is you've had the plan in place, and now you're starting to get the plan finalized. You're finishing the puzzle. Now it's time where you do your after-action review. Have I done all the things that I need to do? Have I fine-tuned the plan completely?
0: And Thank goodness. We, I think we put this in there so I could correct the record, <laughs> because in a previous show, I called it an after-action report. Every military person that listens to us has sent us emails or put YouTube comments saying, Brian, you screwed it up. It's
1: after-action
0: no, review. No, see, that's the
1: CPA. You actually got it better because not only did it a review, you wanted to report it. You wanted to have it written down. I'm going <laughs> to so give this you allows credit us, for
0: us, But it is the point. Let's fine-tune the vision plan because mm-hmm. this is the part. Measure twice, cut once. You better make sure you have looked back at all your mistakes. You've looked at all the things that have worked out well. you put the finishing touches. This is where you go to stress test. Mm-hmm. You're trying to figure out if you've got a retirement plan that's going to be put into effect in the next few years. How do we try to break this thing? So we're going to stress test. We're going to run Monte Carlo simulations. We're going to look at, you know, how does the pricing of a downturn in the market
1: work? You're going to want to run all those scenarios. And the very last thing that we look at in our 50s on the net worth statement uh, is the one that should start to be the smallest area. It's your liabilities. And I, Brian, you had a, I'm going to mess it up. You have a saying uh, Uh-oh. about liabilities. Um, What's the word you use? It's a great word. Oh, 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 oh. You, you,
0: it, Here it is. It, it, I'm
1: forgetting, my, I'm for, I'm forgetting the, is, the first is word.
0: Horrible encumbrance. Encumbrance and independence. That's an accounting word. That's why you don't I couldn't have that CPA after your name, so it's okay. Yes. Anybody who took governmental accounting knows what an encumbrance is, because that's what our government Ooh. calls things. It's basically. Accounting. But here's the. I don't want to mess this up, so let's let's get it right. Encumbrances and independence are in two separate sections of the dictionary. And that's the thing. Is I don't think that you can physically consider yourself fiscally, not going to say physically, fiscally consider yourself financially independent unless you truly own your life. So I do think 50s is
1: the time. Get yourself out of debt. So it, your goal should be at At the end of the fifty decade, you start. You either want to see your liabilities with a big goose egg, or you have a plan in place to get it to a goose egg. Yeah, you're trying to. You know, when Chris
0: Hogan in Everyday Millionaires talks about the average mortgage for a millionaire is paid off in ten years, that's not their first house. It's probably that house they bought in their forties or even fifties, and they are on a just paying that thing off as fast as you can. So pay off the debt. I'm okay with that. It's now at the point
1: of taking risk off the table. So now let's talk a little bit about your army of dollar bills at your 50s. If you've waited until your 50s to start, chances are it might be difficult to hit your million dollar goal. It's still possible, but in order to do it by 65, you have to save almost $2,500 a month. That means you have to put in $446,000 and your army of dollar bills, it can still double But it's a 50-50 game now. You're doing equal work.
0: And I recognize, some people are going to say, nobody's entering their 50s broke, just like when we do this on the 60s. But it's really to show you the power of your army of dollar bills. That's That's what this slot is. Remember, in your 20s, 95% of your growth is actually, your value is coming from the growth of the assets. For your 30-year-old self, 89% is growth. For your 40s, it's 77. By the time you get in your 50s, it's almost a 50-50 match, meaning that whatever you put into savings – there's a good chance that if you work
1: hard or you're diligent with the savings, your money will grow to be a matching partner with that, you. That's what I think is beautiful. Whatever you've accumulated in your 50s, you can kind of count on that doubling by the time you get to 65 if you if you cross all your boxes correctly. I think that's beautiful. So pay attention. Now, let's talk about the spot check, Bo. Okay. Where should you be in your 50s? So in your 50s, if you look at the average American, net worth for the average American is somewhere between one hundred and twenty-four to $189,000. If you're an average accumulator, again, this is just assuming average income, your net worth should be somewhere between 256000 to about 304000 But we think you should strive to be prodigious, especially if you're looking at financial independence. And that means that your net worth should be somewhere between 513000 at the beginning of your 50s to about a little over $608,000 at the end of your 50s.
0: I thought it was interesting. Fidelity you know, publishes their times income indicator. Yeah. They had six times... Your salary by okay. age of 50. I think that number is a little low sure. because we know that we're hitting retirement in the next decade and a half. So, but it is one of those things just to give you another perspective. Yep. I now want to pivot into 60 year olds. Now, this one, neither one of us are at 60s, but we do work with people in our 60s, in their 60s, I should say. And this is kind of a new beginning. That's right. And fortunately, full time equivalent Daniel found a very delightful picture. <laughs> of three sixty <laughs> something year olds. Who are enjoying, it looks like, I can't tell if those are mimosas or orange juice. And that's mimosas. Grapes. That's you, you mimosas. Think that's, so they're celebrating. That means they've made good decisions, and they're in their new beginning stage. So what does the typical 60-year-old look
1: like? Bob? So the average 60-year-old has an average income of about $52,000. Right. They are now in double-digit savings. They're saving 10% of that well, of income. Of course. They're like, wait a minute, i got to retire <laughs> in five years? Of course I'm going to save the most I could possibly save. So the median net worth is about 213000 000, and the debt has continued to come down. The median, the average debt uh, across Americans in this country is about $56,000. Uh, and that, that goes and with the 60s. savings
0: rate, because I'm telling you, this is procrastination mode kicked in. If you've got adrenaline trying to get things, you're trying to pay stuff off, and you're trying to save. 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, if you're around listening to this stuff, don't be the 60-year-old that is in complete panic yep. mode trying to fix their financial independence plan because they procrastinate until the last possible minute.
1: So let's talk about what parts of the net worth statement to focus on. Yeah, I think this one is uh, assets, but specifically assets surrounding the retirement plan. Because now in the 60s, you're likely retiring. It's time to actually execute the plan that you've been building on for the last 40 years of your working career. This is, you get one more chance to go do the risk
0: management plan Mm -hmm. or break it plan, where you truly do try to measure twice, cut once. And this is where you're running the stress test of the Monte Carlo simulations, go do this stuff. Also understand cash reserves. Forever, you've heard the saying you need to have three to six months of cash reserves. As you actually enter into retirement, that number could balloon up to 12 months, 18 months. It really depends upon how you're using and creating your own pension from your assets. If you're living off of the assets, if you've now transitioned from saver to spender, make sure you don't neglect how that impacts your cash reserves as well. Bo, talk about footnotes and risk management because there's a component that runs through all these by age things is that you also want to not only pay, pay attention to what you've
1: got growing, but what could go wrong with your risk. Yeah, in the 60s, the big thing you want to start thinking about is what happens if I'm not here? Who's going to take care of uh, the folks that might still depend on me, but even more, what do I want my ultimate legacy to be? How do I want my assets to be structured? How do I want to leave that in my family? And If I get, as I advance in age, who's going to be the person to step in and help me? So You want to make sure you're starting, and we think this makes sense in your 60s, have the conversation with your adult children around what your financial situation looks like, what your, uh, what your ultimate wishes are, because you want to start those conversations early before you have to have them, instead of something happening, and then there not, they're not have ever been any sort of conversation. I was picking
0: that. on 20-year earlier because when they first go off to college or they first get a chance at making decisions on credit cards and other things, they go hog wild. I will tell you guys, I think a part of why you need to start the communication when you're in your sixties is so your kids are, they don't not numb, but they at least have some acceptance and understanding of what your financial life is like so that they do understand what a, what a, my parents want to have my legacy be so because they just inherit the money. You kept it a secret, and they find out mom and dad were actually saving a chunk of money. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a shock and yeah. awe moment. Yeah. So be smart about that. I also think it's it's one of those things. Understand relationship of risk is probably evolving a little yeah, bit. For sure. Forever, you talk about risk tolerance, meaning how much risk you can handle. By the time you get in your sixties, it's also risk capacity, meaning you do not have the time. For the to let
1: the market recover. So you've got to make sure you handle that appropriately. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the army of dollar bills in your 60s, because something that does change in your 60s is now it's less about the growth and more about the capital preservation. If you're someone who has waited till your 60s, it's almost impossible to get to that million. But what I do think is beautiful is that even in your 60s, there's still growth built in. And this is something we see, this is actually a mistake we see six year olds make all the time. They get to retirement they say, okay, I'm done. Time to cash it all out and bury it under the mattress, put in a coffee can in the backyard. If you're planning on having retirement into your 80s and 90s, some portion of your portfolio still needs to be structured to have a 30-, 40-year time horizon. So it's not just because you get to financial independence, just because you get to retirement. It's risk off the table. It's just exactly what you said. Your risk capacity and how you structure the portfolio needs to be thought about differently.
0: So looking at this chart, it is a little cruel to see that 60-year-olds probably potentially have the growth potential of 22%. But, Bo, you just nailed it. Every one of you 60-year-olds that's retiring, you have, by statistics, you have at least two to three decades that your money can continue to work for you. So look at this. It's almost like 60 is the new 40 in those terms. If you want to think about the chance, you still have – the opportunity for your money to grow seventy seven percent above and beyond what you put into it. Don't blow yep. that opportunity. So, Bo,
1: let's give them a, a wealth spot check. So, again, average. If you look at the median for sixty year olds, the median net worth is right around two hundred thousand dollars. That's for between sixty and sixty nine. If you want to be an average accumulator of wealth, and you have the average income of a typical sixty to sixty nine year old, it's somewhere between three hundred to three hundred sixty thousand. And if you want to be a prodigious accumulator of wealth, it's somewhere between 620000 to almost $720,000 in net worth. And then Fidelity, because they, they publish where they think you ought to be. I thought
0: this was quite interesting. They think for a 60-year-old, you ought to be at 10 times your income. Now, I, I tried to ju- think about that in my head. I, I, I get it. Maybe your income is significantly higher than your expenses if you are saving a portion but 10 times seems rather low. I what we low. actually would like you to consider is looking at having 20 to 25% of your actual living expenses. Mm-hmm. That's probably a much better spot check because that actually takes into account what you're spending, not just what your income that's right. is. That's exactly right. So guys, that's the big part. We just went through every decade. I can't even believe we... we Totally, this thing went longer than it should, than we planned on in our pre show planning. But we did cover 20, 30s, 40s, 50s, and even 60 year olds. But here's the big thing I think you can tell, hopefully, this motivated you to want to focus on your finances, use this coming year to kind of really hone in on how you can improve your financial life and then focus on the army of dollar bills. Don't work so hard and feel like you are entrapped where it always has to come back to your hands, your, your back, your brain. You can let your money do the work for you. You just have to make sure you focus. And we've given you some tools, but Bo- we have a resource page. That's
1: right. If you like if you like data, and you like free, and you like goodies, and you like things that are going to help you take your, your finances beyond common sense and to the next level, go out to moneyguy.com. Go to our resources page. We have tons of available deliverables for you guys. You can download them, receive them right there. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you go and check out our resource page.
0: And then we've also been doing a deeper dive. We can only cover so much in our podcast as well as in the YouTube show. So we've used our blogging. We're yep. writing to fill in the gaps on things. And one of the things, we took a deeper look. If you go look at go to moneyguy.com, check out the blog for this week. It's taking a, a deeper look in why the average net worth is so low because mm-hmm. a lot of people want to know that. So we want to fill in the gaps yep. for you that we couldn't cover that today. And then don't forget, we're not only are we, we started off in podcasting, we have transitioned into becoming a video titans. I think we are the largest titans. RIA firm that is pushing this type of stuff. There's somebody else that's trying to take that title, but we are twice as big as them. So I feel like we need to go claim that. But on top of YouTube... We've also kicked off this Instagram thing, mm-hmm. so go check that out at, at moneyguyshow yep. is our
1: Instagram, so we're on the gram now. Ruby's been doing a great job, man. She's been putting uh, picture, personal pictures of us at the office doing stuff, some money guy stuff. Maybe maybe some pictures from Christmas party last night might find their way on there. So it's a, I think it's a lot of fun.
0: I'm still, guys, if y'all want to know, I'm lobbying to do a YouTube video of me making a brisket at some <laughs> point. I just don't know if the, the crew wants to show up at my house at 11 o'clock at night. When we're carving well, we're the fat off of it and having it. to put it on there. And then this is the last thing. You can probably tell this is this show's a little different. We you come here, we love on you, give you tons of free advice, let you load it up. Why in the world will we give something so valuable away for free? And the reason is, is it's the abundance cycle. Yep. This is something we talk about all the time. We want you to come learn, apply, grow. You're going to get to a point. It might be 10 years from now. It might be 20 years from now. That's okay. We're young enough that we'll be around. You're going to look over your shoulder and go, I need somebody to help me. I need somebody because I've built this thing up. That's when you're going to think about Abound Wealth and the guys who are loading you up with all that free advice for all those years. So We work with clients all across the country. Take advantage of it. Go to moneyguy.com. Go to aboundwealth.com. We'd love to continue the conversation right there. Bo, anything else? I think that's wonderful. You are are enamored with the whole Abundance Cycle discussion, I can tell. If
1: you have not ever checked out our live stream, we actually do this show live where you can come be a part of our studio audience, but it's not really studio. It's kind of at your house doing your thing or in your office. But what we do is when we turn off the cameras or when we turn off the recording, we actually hang out with you guys, answer your questions. We give away Tumblers if you're curious about that. So if you've not checked out our our YouTube live stream, you can check that out. It is every other Tuesday. Uh, Holidays are a little unique, but every Tuesday – 10 a.m. is when we're going to start doing the live stream. So if you have a chance to check that out, please, please do it. Uh, and it's a lot of fun, and we're going to give away some free stuff.
0: Money Guy Team out. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. A bound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or
1: tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.